Hello, hi, I'm Erin Vandevin. Thanks for joining me today. This is Medium Lady Talks. This podcast is about figuring out the medium effort way to get the most out of life today. I hope the things I unpack here can role model and invite you to sort out your own ways to live life in the present. This is a show about experimenting to get closer to what matters most. I'm glad you're here, so let's settle in. Hello, hi, and welcome to Medium Lady Talks. This is episode three. Medium Lady calls her mama to talk about one year in the pandemic. This is a recording of an IGTV live that I did with my mom, Colleen, and we reflect on the last year in the pandemic. I ask her a series of questions based off of an inspiring post from the 10 Things to Tell You podcast with Lara Tremaine. We talk about five of the 10 questions to mark one year of the pandemic. I felt like this was a really great conversation that we had, and I thought putting the audio on podcast version was a great way to also kind of time capsule this moment that we're all in right now, one year of the pandemic. My mom is 62. I am 37. I think it's really great that we had this time together to talk about our experiences in the pandemic, which were quite different, to be honest. I'm looking forward to hearing what you thought of one year in the pandemic and what your answers might be to some of those questions. Please go ahead and connect with me on at medium.lady on Instagram. If you want to see the visuals that accompany this podcast, please pause now and head over to my IGTV. You can find the conversation archived there. Here's me and Mama talking about one year in the pandemic. Hello. Ah, hello. It works. <laughs> Were you skeptical? Did you think it was? I'm not work? sure. Um, I hope you can hear me okay. Beautiful. Because I want to set everything up so I could talk and not worry about how I looked and positioning everything yeah. right. Yeah. But I, I hope I didn't overdress. <laughs> Mama's wearing her uh, tiara. <laughs> if I'm medium lady, does that make you extra lady? Yeah, it makes me large lady. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I asked William I asked William how old I was. Did you did you hear that when I asked him? I think he said he thought I was fifty eight or fifty two or something like that. He was very thoughtful about it. I think what number would suit her? He's so precise, our William. Yes, he is. I miss them so much, your little guys. You too. Well, that's a good segue because, (laughs) Mama, what we're going to talk about is the last year, being in quarantine, being in the pandemic. Uh Yeah. Um, Judith is here, my sister, and your youngest daughter. Hi, Judy. Hi, Judy. Hi, And, um... Mom, we're going to cover five questions here that we're going to reflect and talk. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know who's going to join us, but I'm really glad that you're up for this um, because I have just really, it's really been on my mind that it's like a year. It's been a year. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I 
it would feel really good to talk it through with you. Yeah, yeah. Although, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I was really moved by your article describing just um, the vastness of what it's like for a, a mother having her child grow up in that without that kind of ease, the dynamic ease of friends and people and others moving yeah. in around your life. Um, incredibly hard. And um, and I thought, you know, yeah, but even as an older woman, there's a story to tell there too. So mm-hmm. it would be interesting to see. And a lot of how I connect is really through my children, through my family that I've missed. So I'm connecting a lot on that level. Um, it, it, yeah, it definitely changes who we are. It deepens some of the good things and it can also, the hard things also come up. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. So my first question takes us in a little time machine and I'm wearing... Yeah. I'm wearing overalls so I could be like super 90s about it, um, okay. which is what was life like in early 2020? Oh, well, early 2020, mm-hmm. um, dad and I went on a trip to Costa Rica. Do you want to get like specific? Of course. Like to me? Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. it was actually... I would say now it was a deeply intuitive thing, but I was just so um, in need and so um, not pressuring, not pressurized, but I felt we must go on this tr- on this uh, trip. And, um, you know, um, your dad, you know, he wasn't as easygoing about it. It was a unique trip. It was called a soul retreat. And we did, and we made an arrangement to go on it, and we did go on the trip, and just as we were coming back, the whole thing about COVID and stopping travel was really coming into play, people wearing masks. Hi, Julie, my childhood friend is here. Oh, hi. (laughs) Oh, my darling, such a a great friend. And, um, yeah, so with that, we went on it to me, was a really strongly, um, strong intuition. Like I was like, we, we really had to go. I felt we had to go for our own unity and growth as a couple. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so when we did, and I've, I've said just even recently that I think it has really helped us in our unity and hanging out together during this time of COVID. Amidst all our caregiving challenges, which you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, both for a very ill child Mm -hmm. and also for elderly um, people in our life that really Mm -hmm. need that. So honestly, if we had not gone on that soul retreat, which we did a lot of movement, a lot of reflection, a lot of, of course, time by the ocean and the water and just time together as a couple and also with really beautiful people Mm -hmm. um we you know we had a sense of community in in that i think that has really was really a wonderful way like i think it helped sustain us i'm very grateful for that so when we returned from costa rica 
things kind of escalated in yeah. kind of a negative, negative momentum in our life. And I think having been on that trip and having journeyed um, together, um, uh, I've helped us, I, I think, to have some unity and um, dealing with, you know, whatever uh, life was going to put our way, you know, help us to flow through it. So it's I like feel you took, it's like you mm -hmm. took the beginning of the year to like fill your tank to maximum. Oh my God. Perfect. Summed it up. That's right. It really is. Yeah. And if you were, like, you were overflowing we're we're bringing with, with so much yeah. vitality when you guys came mm -hmm. back. Yeah. And, and, and not knowing that ahead of time, but feeling a really strong desire and, um, imperative that we needed to go this year on this on that particular 2020 trip that and it, i really think it, i i feel blessed yeah and we still talk about it we still have fun putting making up a movie and um we're able to dance together within mm -hmm. a freedom that we probably wouldn't have had it as a couple mm -hmm. which helps to lighten things you know the sense of play has been really important Mm. stuck with somebody as much as we have been with each other right yeah it's like you're gonna be married for 40 years yeah and that's gonna be a thing but then you're gonna have this year and it's gonna just be you guys and in that time you know yeah. dad is experiencing retirement he's re experiencing phenomenal caregiving issues and praying yeah. our goodbyes to loved ones and rich very rich <laughs> so for me in early 2020 i was at the halfway point i guess of my maternity leave and i was at a point with beckett where i was finally figuring out my routine i had had postpartum depression after he was born I was really kind of pouring my heart and soul into doing a lot of like, who am I types of reflection mm -hmm. and figuring that out. And I had just started medium lady and I was messing around with that and having a lot of fun with my assignments. But for the most part, it was like getting the boys off to school in the morning and then having my days to myself. Beckett was finally on like a nap schedule. So I could actually like predict the times of day. I think right. I even had like a really great fitness routine going. I was like you were dancing. Just looking I, I, forward to your time on your own. I know. And I was like, this is great. Like I've really figured this out. I'm gonna have such a great second half of my mat leave. Uh -huh. And I legit thought when they closed school after March break that they were gonna go back in two weeks. Yeah, yeah. And I was uh -huh. so sad that I wasn't gonna see you for like three or four weeks. Uh-huh. Oh, I know. I thought it was, was going to be a blip. And I kept telling myself, you know, in the in the story of my life, this is going to be a sentence in a phrase of a chapter. <laughs> you didn't think it was going to be an I didn't Old Testament. It's going to be a chapter. <laughs> it's going to be like its own chapter. <laughs> I didn't think it was going to be like, you know, when you're yeah. reading a novel and you turn the page and it's like part two. Yeah. Huh. Not a hot clue. I, I seriously thought it was going to be four weeks. I went to the grocery yeah. store like right before the the 
cities shut down and I was yeah. in a very long lineup and I said to some guy I was like there's only like a hundred cases in Canada I don't really understand what all this is foolish oh I felt very like naive looking back yeah at, like, well, I mean in a way it was good that we were naive can you imagine the dread that's probably true with that yeah sense of dread? yeah and to know that like, we could be open it's gonna take a year yeah every day to be open every day to a, a day of um trusting trusting the spirit of unknowing mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's that, that that's that's really something i remember that about you and i remember that we had planned a trip a beautiful <gasps> winter holiday oh, we were gonna yeah. go we were to, gonna go um, to like to, the lodge cabin. yeah huh. <laughs> judith says and yeah. then toilet paper became as valuable as gold bars <laughs> Do you think all the people that were, we never worried about toilet paper and all the people that stocked up on it, do you think they've used it all? We have at our house. Yeah. There's a lot of <laughs> When you put five people through the bathroom every day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. three of those people, well, Beckett doesn't use toilet paper, but like three of those people, you... two of them think toilet paper is unlimited supply. You didn't, you didn't do an, an um, like a hoarding. To go and hoard no. your fear of fear of not having your bum no, away. No, I mean we had neighbors and friends and people in our mm -hmm. area that I could have texted and said, "Well, that's actually an interesting thing." Which is, um, maybe we're segueing into the next question, which is, "What was the biggest change?" Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What was the biggest change? Um, okay. Um, yeah, I thought about, and I think. The biggest change for me was the guardedness, double thinking. Um, is this right? And did I do that? Am I too close? Am I too far? Um, and the guardedness, like if I go, because I remember one of the kids was sick. If I go and help, yeah. um, do I, am I worried that I'm going to give them it or they're going to give me it? And it was just all that guardedness you know, that feeling of guardedness in me. And, you know, we just had some friends over because we're allowed to have people in and everybody was spaced and everything. But it just, I just didn't like it at all. Like, I just felt, it felt surreal. It felt awful. People in my house having to be spaced. And did I serve that tea too close to them? And did they, did I take my mask off and talk too long? Like, it just, you know, yeah. I think being considerate. But yeah, um, and you know what was a big, a big, the biggest change, and I guess this is more of in a spiritual sense, is that, oh, Stefsky is on. Yeah. She's, anyways, but, but in, in that sense was, I really became aware of my relationship with death. By seeing, Whoa. yes, by seeing the great fear that I was sensing by um, others around me in the world. And I would say that that really helped me hone in on a very um, non-fearful feeling about death, fear of dying, which I really, I wouldn't have had. I wouldn't have been aware of that was my stance. That you, you don't feel fearful about death. No, that how, how my idea of death is not to be feared to live as fully as I can and that I'm going to be okay 
when I die. And um, if this was going to be it, that I wanted to be happy and not live contracted. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying there weren't moments that it would make me sad if I thought, well, if I got COVID and died or whatever, but, or somebody I love, of course, die because you miss, but how, how I didn't realize how convicted I was that death is not something to be feared. Mm -hmm. There's a relationship that changes, but that how much I believe, I guess, in the, in the, um, how, how much I believe personally, it's my personal belief, but I hadn't realized how much I really did feel that how spirit is such reality, you know, mm -hmm. that, that we are in this body and, yeah, so that that was really neat. So thank you for asking that question because I don't think I, you know, had a, anybody that I could really share that with, you know? Yeah, and, um, you know, I think, like, even for me, hearing you say that the biggest change for you is, like, this consciousness about death and mortality and your own mortality and death and the fear that people really carry with them every day about death and mortality. Um, yeah, it makes me a little uncomfortable, but, but I think that's just such a great part about our um, conversation is like, for me, if I think about what was the biggest change mm -hmm. is that there's like miniature levels of change. So there's this like, there's the like practical way you get through the day. And Steph had said at some point, it makes the simplest things take so much brain power. Yeah. And I 100% am on board with that at the like, at the like practical level of how much yeah, yeah. changed, which is that, you know, we function so much of our lives on this like built level of unconscious assumptions. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And it really is vital to us move, making our way through life with like efficiency. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And when you remove those assumptions and not only that, but like you can't share them anymore, which is like, which is like, you know, um, I'm trying to think of like, even, even, when I went back to work, it became the most obvious to me, but it was happening even before that, where yeah. just this sense of disorientation, which is like... Like things that you just assume you could do, like park next to, right next to a car. There you go. Yeah. Um, and then that person getting out and you would yeah. just, you know, but don't, well, that became like a Rubik's cube of, yeah. you know... Should I have not done that? And might that person be giving me the germ or might yeah. I make them feel unsafe or, right. you know? Yeah. I mean, so it's that's like on it's, the practical yeah. level, on the practical oh. level of things. Yeah. Um, but then on the sort of like more transcendent level of things, I think mm -hmm. it really like accelerated and maybe it is related to how you feel about death, which is mm -hmm. it really accelerated how, much I am aware of getting to know myself yeah. as, as a pursuit, which is like, who am I? What do I like? I think it's happening. I think so too. I think there's a collective evolution. Yeah. I think the human race is evolving. I'm going to say it's this. women. I'm going to say it's women, but I don't know that that's true. It's, 
what, what you, I, I think it's the feminine spirit. Feminine spirit, which men have that. a feminine spirit, because I think men have that feminine spirit. Yeah. And as well as women. And I think the world is moving more towards that harmony, uh, looking for unity, looking for soothing instead mm-hmm. of fighting, colliding, looking more for a conversation. Women, women tend to be conversational. And that's the spirit. That's the feminine spirit. I'm probably not saying it perfectly well. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. So when when they talk about the feminine spirit rising, it doesn't mean women rising, of course. But women will will the leadership of women too is, is a great gift mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that is coming through. Women's voices being heard because they yeah. can reflect those qualities of feminine spirit, the nurturing aspects, as we've seen in some. With, uh, women that have been leaders while they're breastfeeding their baby that uh Arden from Arden, uh, just Arden. Arden. yeah yeah like things like that that are are uh, really deserve our attention at these times that have made an um, impact to our thinking about what leadership is Steph, thank you for your comments. She said, we had to sit alone with ourselves for the first time. We don't sit still long enough to do that usually. That's absolutely true because I didn't have, um, I didn't even like really have to leave the house. Uh I mean, aside from like child minding, there was, there was not a lot of downtime, but there was also not the same amount of like, okay, I got to get the birthday present for the party that's happening mm-hmm. on a couple thing and what, and yeah. this, we're going to sign up for the soccer thing, and it's going to be our week to bring the juice boxes. And, and you know what? And that was good because I think knowing that script, what you just mm-hmm. said, helps you to see what have been the impediments in the in the past. Impediments to sitting, to sitting to sitting with yourself. Or, or that we take on as must, like... We take on all these little mini deadlines and imperatives that um, we were relieved of them to give us a chance to say, oh, when I get back to the times that I do need to get the drinking boxes and that, maybe I'll remember to breathe more. Maybe I'll remember not to make it, to be, for it to be more of a flow thing rather than an encumbrance. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, Judith has said there's power and knowledge that comes from stillness. It's true for better or worse. Yeah, there is like in some ways a reckoning. I think the other thing I was thinking in terms of what was the biggest change was the uh, social justice awakening that happened in June um, in terms of probably being a bigger change than COVID, I think. Um, and yes. maybe I'll just say, like, I hope so. Um, for better or for worse, you know, I, like, really looked inside myself and realized that not racist and anti-racist were two very different things and that I wasn't mm-hmm. really measuring up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that I was benefiting from a white supremacist society in ways that I had allowed myself to be complicit to because I was uneducated. Yeah. And so that 
is a very big change um, mm -hmm. in me, but also in the structures that support me to be who I am. Those structures yes. are changing too. And, you know, um, mm -hmm. I think Judith says for better or for worse, like, listen, there was an uncomfortable part of the summer as we watched these situations evolve across the US at home here in Canada, you know, and coming coming into like really much closer proximity to uncomfortable stories about race yeah. and uncomfortable, honest admitting yeah. about, well, yeah. you can be not racist, but that doesn't make you anti-racist. And, and, when and who do you really want to be? When an you immense step up? call, so poignant and so almost like it was just been waiting there in me to, mm -hmm. to, uh, to understand it like yeah. when the moment for for knowing that like i grew up with with my father being a very brown man and my mother being a white shade and even some of my brothers and sisters experiencing discrimination and i always felt that somehow i understood that because i could say well i've got black in me or something but i have no clue Mm -hmm. and I recognize yeah. that yeah. and I honor that and I also honor the things in me in a, as a little girl where I would see my dad you know kind of jerk like up and see and and know that somebody was discriminate looking at him in a way that was not that was very judging and and, and not very good and him himself having experienced racial riots and and I just would go back to those moments of deep discomfort and knowing as a child, mm. but never, never making, I mean, I think, I think I have spoken up even when I was a little girl, you know? Um, but I think so often when my dad, when my dad would, would talk about feeling um, discriminated against because of the color of his skin, he would get poo-pooed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I so remember kind of always felt like, that. you know, let's just know, no, no, yeah, and, and mm -hmm. I mean, she didn't mean to be dis. Well, she didn't. She was dismissing it, but I don't think she. You and those days, you know, the less said, the better. So let's not rock the boat. Let's just, you know, and she would say, "Well, they're looking at you because they think you're so good looking," or the, they didn't see you. That's why they went to the other side of the road or whatever the situations were. Mm -hmm. And it was very deep in him. I mean, we know the stories in our family yeah, um, where he was afraid to say some of his heritage because he thought maybe it might impact even his grandchildren like mm -hmm. you, mm -hmm. that maybe your boyfriend wouldn't want to marry you anymore if he thought you had certain race um, in your blood, you know, like, which was, it's no, there's no such thing as race. And we should have been shouting that from the rooftops all of for years and years and years. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just so much. Is, I, I have done so much learning, mm -hmm. and especially because of social media and advocates. And even people like yourself, Erin, mm -hmm. that speak to it of your own journey. Mm -hmm. Very inspiring. Well, there's been a great community to learn from, and I'm grateful for having the chance to learn from them and to educate myself yeah. 
to, you know, um, to read and read and read and read. There's so much music out there. You're a voracious reader. (laughs) That pivots us to our next question, which is what were your coping mechanisms? Um, Um, And hmm. I think that, you know, I, I don't know that I have a really good answer for this. I don't know that I did cope all the time. Um, I think, you know, there was ways to cope with children. There was ways to cope with mental health. There was ways to cope with, uh, work. When I went back to work, I did not cope. I kind of crashed and burned. I burnt out in December. Um, I don't know. What were your coping mechanisms, mom? Well, I wanted to say though, I think kind of a mutual coping mechanism and even maybe between, um, you and and your your sisters and I mm-hmm. is feeling less um, inhibited to reach out to each other, yeah. And the utilization of social media, and just having spontaneous calls. And um, whereas prior to that, I would kind of feel, oh, I don't want to intrude in my children's busy lives, or you know, I don't want to seem needy. But mm-hmm. I came to think, well, screw that. <laughs> this if I can't you know just reach even if it was for five I know minutes, they're home I know yeah. they're home so I'm gonna call them but not only but you know even if it was for five minutes or even if it was just to leave a message I love you yeah just being able to say that or I miss you or uh, you know so that to me was a coping message um mechanism you know one of the things to do and of course some of the coping mechanisms that I had prior to COVID just were deepened. Yeah. You know, um, going out in the backyard, singing with the birds, doing, um, photographs and taking time to reflect and taking time to express love to people and choosing joy, like deliberately saying, Oh, I'm thinking about Henry and the cute thing he said or did and pivoting out of that sorrow or that moment of worry and then go back to the a focus of, of hope and moving forward. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah, those were habits. you know, I'm mm-hmm. thinking as you're talking, I do think the kids were one of my biggest coping mechanisms oh. um, because they just kept me so tethered to the present. Well, either with their needs or with the way they were experiencing the world or yeah. teaching them about birds and flowers or keeping oh, back so it recalibrate. safe. Or, recalibrate. Yeah. The here and now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Right. I mean, in a lot of ways, like, we were, a, we were all together all the time. I did really feel like I had to, I had to cope. I had to have a way to to make it through the day one day at a time and um and that was gonna ebb and flow and change you know like with medium lady i have my monthly assignment and there was a time in the beginning of the pandemic maybe march april that i thought should i drop this like is this even useful anymore Mm -hmm. and and it didn't take me very long to get right back into it because for me it absolutely was a coping mechanism to say Oh, for the month of um, July, I'm going to focus on fun recipes using the barbecue. Yes. And then yeah. it was like a way to kind of like not get too distracted by 
the pandemonium of the present, Mm -hmm. um, which is like, well, I can't control anything, but I can control how I make frozen French fries on the barbecue. (laughs) And that's real life too. Joy still was happening. Yeah. Yeah. Sorrows, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the cottage all through that summer. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Really, truly, really really centering on what's important. What a gift to be in nature. I think pretty much just to be in nature, period. We, like the kids, the kids have been on so many walks. I guarantee you, I could send Henry out into the, unaccompanied and he could make his way back home. Oh, we walked kilometers and kilometers around the radius of our home. And I'm sure he, he easily knows how to get home. Um, oh. Not that I would ever do that. But no, I'm no, saying, but I know like, what you're saying. And yeah. that's so great because they need that. They mm-hmm. need that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Judith yeah. has said here, kids are such a great anchor. They are the best examples of living in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes living in the moment and like being unhappy in the moment. Like my granola yeah. bar is broken and I'm, this is the moment that I am in right now. Yeah. Have a gro- yeah. broken granola bar. Um, yeah. A sense of routine as well. Yeah. They, they wake up, especially feeding them. They wake up, they need to eat, they need to, you know, grounded during turbulent times. Yeah. But, you know, I guess um, maybe, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I wish, maybe I did. I don't know. Is that like, I think there were at times I really resented having kids Uh during the pandemic, Uh you know, like Judith, my sister is on this call. She doesn't have kids yet. And like Judith, I was so envious of you. At one point, Judith said to me, like, I think I've reached the end of Netflix. And I remember being like personally offended <laughs> that one might have enough time to reach the end of Netflix. <laughs> it's like, yeah. how dare you? But you know what? Even if there was no pandemic, yeah. when you have three children yeah. under the age of no, seven. Because I can ask for and- help. Yeah, but you know, it's just, yeah. what I'm saying is like, even if there wouldn't have been that, I remember when I was raising you guys, and I remember saying, I think it was to Jen, saying, um, you know what, some days it's my biggest fantasy just to sit and watch TV all day and have a bowl of chips. And I remember her looking at me and laughing because she was like, I hear you. I see you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And then she the laughed. Me balance and spirit in you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love oh. that. That's oh amazing. my gosh, I'm so proud of you, all of you. Oh. The, ones, the ones with, like, I am, it, yeah, it has, yeah. I'm proud of us too. Well, yeah, I'm glad that you are. Um, yeah. that's a great segue into what was the biggest challenge. So, being a mother was a very big challenge. Mm-hmm. It always is. Mm-hmm in the best way. Mom, what was one of the biggest challenges for you? I can think of a couple of very specific personal things, but. Yeah, I won't, well, you know, keeping it real. Um, you know what I did put down at, at, um, about my, my challenge was um, altering an expectation that I had of a really beloved friend. Mm-hmm. Um, who was already social distancing from me for unknown reasons. And I, I made overtures and um, was very receptive to modifying, you know, to, to that person's needs. 
But I think that was really has been my biggest challenge. And I, I, I still grieve it now. And I still have to say to myself, with or without a pandemic, the break in the relationship would happen. But having a pandemic, I would have loved, if I was to think, I would have loved to be able to have journeyed through it with her. You know, even though, like, just talking or texting or... Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and so that has really, um, it really surprised me. And it was a challenge because I, I really did not ever see that coming. You know, yeah, I mean, despite, I mean, in every friendship, you know, you know, there's growth and changes and, you know, there's ebbs and flows in the contact. So I think, yeah, it was quite a time of self-reflection and really a time of me I wouldn't say it was a choice it was just I knew it was right that I needed to make some choices mm -hmm. um, about that and um, to honor my own growth in order for my own growth and my own personal um, well-being too right yeah um, I know other people have lost friends have had to end friendships in the pandemic. It's an interesting um, side effect that I haven't experienced yeah. it personally, but um, but but you're not alone in that. It's a it's been yeah. a very real real thing that that a lot yeah. of people have experienced. And and now that we're you know we're saying like I but from that I learned how while I was making amends, I wasn't cultivating a real free flow communication a mutual communication like there were many things that i muted and i never shared with this person prior to all of this mm -hmm. so i think when you mute yourself in a friendship and you don't say look i don't agree with that but i still love you mm -hmm. and i still want to talk about it but when you begin to not say that because the person may cut you off or you don't want to upset the person, you're getting into all those things. I mean, everybody knows all the words, right, around it, unhealthy relationships and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you think, oh, I've had a 40-year friendship. How could that be that, you know? But I think... Yeah, when, when when you grow and if you haven't cultivated that openness to be accepted, even if you're going to say something unpopular that right. your your beloved friend doesn't agree with, that it doesn't really change. Mm. Um, yeah, that's been a really, that's been a real big growth thing. It's something that I just didn't see coming or expect mm -hmm, in my mm -hmm. life with this person who I still love. No, of course, right? But uh, many levels of grief. The pandemic accelerated what? Accelerated the timeline? No, I, I I think that was coincidental in my case. I think the pandemic emphasized to me um, the depth of um, realization that, like at the. I gave time around it, but it also emphasized to me the depth of that person's separation from me. Because I would have thought, given this, the sorrow of our time and the depth of our times, 
that this person would have reached, would have um, been open to re re responding and connect, yeah. reconnecting. Because the pandemic that, was such an exception. Yeah, that you would think, yeah, yeah. like, yeah. You know, yeah. The, her, her rules around not phoning and not, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, whatever, you know, trust me, like, it just, it just seemed to me like, you know, like my birthday to not get a phone call, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. or, you know, Christmas or, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's not, it's not completely erased, but I don't understand the depth of, and I don't know. I mean, these are also mental health issues. And, and so probably when you were saying about relationships that have ended, whether it's because of or accelerated in the pandemic, it could be mental health issues where people mm -hmm. struggle even more. Mm -hmm. um, but when somebody was already isolating prior to, mm -hmm. it could work the other way that with the pandemic and with the fear and realizing what, how you love each other and need each other yeah. that you kind of relinquish and say, Hey, you know, let's talk or let's, yeah. Yeah. Um, let me change my rules or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just it's it's really strange. It's quite an, quite a quite an experience. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Yeah, no, I realize it's it's part of life, and uh, yeah, yeah. I think another challenge for me was. Um, Getting again, I think that like issue of assumptions was mm -hmm. really hard to stay um, to believe my own self assessment of my own mental health was mm -hmm. to be like, am I doing okay? I don't really know if I'm doing okay. Um, <laughs> I've never been through a pandemic. I've never been through a pandemic before, but like I'm feeling really anxious. But like maybe I was always super anxious, and because again I had felt like I had really come out of that postpartum depression in February, March, and then to just kind of go into a pandemic. Mm. I remember saying to my therapist sometime in the summer, which was like, none of the things are working. And she was like, yeah, yeah. Why do you think that is? It's like, you don't have to be like that, Karen. Obviously, it's a pandemic. <laughs> But but I do think that like my sense of assessing your sense of humor is a coping mechanism. Do you know that? It's wonderful. Love it. Love it. You're my therapist is actually it's... named Karen, but I think that oh really? Karen, yeah, yeah. But the name Karen has also taken on this. I know. I know. Like this all-knowing woman who's unhelpful. She's legit very helpful. But um, aside from you using the word Karen, you yeah. are funny you know that it, it's a real gift thank you trust trust your sense of humor and it's very recalibrating like yeah, it's very helping you that's to align i think that's true maybe that's that. maybe that's what i should have used is to say how okay or not okay i am is based on how hilarious i am in any given moment if i'm not as hilarious as i usually am then maybe i'm just not to yourself sick. anyways Listen, I live in a family full of people who think they're very entertaining. My husband thinks he's very funny. My kid, my my middle child thinks he is 
his gift to us is, is funniness and humor. I think I'm pretty funny. Obviously, Beckett thinks he's hilarious. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. William also probably thinks he's he's pretty funny. He's the he's the straight yeah. man. To he's the straight man. Talk. I was gonna say yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But um, but yeah, I think the biggest challenge was like there was a part of the pandemic in the fall when I thought I was doing great. I thought I was doing great, and I made some changes, and then everything just came boomerang back to me, and I was like, oh no, I was like, I don't know what what rose-colored glasses I was seeing the world through, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. this, like, I went back to work. I was like, I'm back to work. I'm putting on sh shoes and leaving the house. Everything's great. And it kind of felt like it was ending, but it mm -hmm. wasn't. It was not ending. It was actually. I think we all thought that. We yeah. all thought. This was like before the second wave. So, like, yeah. you know, with, with, with retrospective, that second half of the year, was mm -hmm. maybe almost harder than the first half of the year because I've been working full time mm -hmm. in that wow. in that second half of the year. Wow. So, you know, I mean, like, there is no such thing as balance. The other challenge is that um, COVID is something that I work with as well as live with. Mm -hmm. um, so being someone who works in healthcare, obviously, when I go to work, I talk about COVID all day. And then when I come home, I'm thinking about the impact of the pandemic on my personal life, as are all my employees, as are all my colleagues and teammates. And so it has this like nasty, toxic, ubiquitous reach. Um, and and you can't really like put, put firm boundaries on it unless you're like going to experiment with barbecuing French fries in your and, and, and you're like, and both of, pandemic yeah. or no, I'm going to try French fries on the barbecue. And both of those situations at work, you are a leader and responsible around mm -hmm. the pandemic. And at home, you are being, of course, the the parent, right? Yeah. You're the leader and chief cook and bottle washer around all things to do with safety and hygiene. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, whoa. Yeah. Did you ever think of becoming a cashier? You always wanted to be a cashier. All you have my I yeah. might become one. Although they're they frontline workers too. So, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. This is our last question. Okay. What mm -hmm. do you believe now that you didn't one year ago? Um, you know what I said? I said, I believe that a sense of worthiness is super important. And I don't think I realized that before. That's like my answer too. Really? Yeah. I never quite, I, I mean, I was aware of it, but I deepened. Wow. I, I mean, there's other things too, but that one would be the one that I would share. Uh -huh. Yeah, I just feel like I believe now that everybody everybody deserves it deserves worthiness uh -huh. and i gotta bring that out in my kids and let them know that i think they're worthy i gotta bring that out in myself my husband i have a responsibility to bring it out at work with my employees to make yeah. sure that they feel like their work is bringing is that they recognize that they are worthy of respect and recognition and value and that they're worthy of it's, seeing it's diversity. a game changer 
it's yeah. a game changer. Yeah. So I know so many women my age, and it just, I've realized their life, they make things so difficult because yeah. they don't feel worthy for it to be easy. Yeah. They don't That's think, they don't even see the easy because I'm not good enough, therefore it's going to be hard. And young and old women have it, but it's just, it's so powerful. Um, yeah. It's funny. I did a, um, I think it was close to the new year, a really great Zoom call with um, a, um, like an energetic reader. And it was a group of women on this call. And she said, don't forget, it can be easy if you let it be easy. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Well, I won't forget that. I've been remembering that on and on and on ever since she said it. And I think that's oh. also kind of about what you're saying is like, she was talking about goal setting and having a vision and imagining your dreams coming true and manifesting, you know, uh -huh. abundance and life. True. But she said, it can be easy if you let it be easy. <laughs> and and not to not to give a plug plug to Nia, well the fitness, but the do. idea. But it when when you are show telling people about that, and they think, well, it doesn't look hard, therefore your body's not benefiting, or you're not getting toned, oh, or you're not yeah. achieving yeah. the benefit. And yeah. even women that I know, I'm leading, and I can see. They're making it, they're figuring if I really don't push myself, even though they've got that bad shoulder and you're telling them modify, go where the pleasure is, you'll get benefit, it will move with you. But they have been so convicted, especially for women in our body image and size, mm -hmm. that if we don't have the burn, accomplishment is not happening. In other words, I'm, if I'm not working hard and feeling the pain, um, I, I'm not worthy to just have pleasure and goodness and a benefit from that, that there's, mm -hmm. I'm doing, you know, and, and I really feel that, I mean, that's part of the whole, um, you know, industry of how it's kind of, you know, had its effect on, on many of us, us women, um, maybe more in my generation and hopefully in your generation less, mm -hmm. um, Anyways, blah, blah. <laughs> I could talk about is, that. But I've Judith seen that. The pain is gain mentality. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't believe that anymore. No. And I'm a pretty ambitious person. Like, I have pretty, you know, lofty goals. And I do think that I thought um, that the road to that was going to be putting more of myself on the line. Uh -huh, and uh -huh. suffering. With, with workplace stress, with, with um, things that make me um, worried, things that felt risky. But now, I don't know, like I still, I'm just as ambitious as I always was, but I just think that, um, you know, with the pandemic that I, I believe that there's the path, the path to that is, mm -hmm going to cause me to grow but it's not going to be a, me choosing my own suffering you know yeah I don't believe that we have to have suffering for redemption mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that is a big well that was already that a was even before the yeah before the pandemic moment. yeah but that's even and interesting that's, about fitness or loving your own body uh 
Oh. It's like you don't have to suffer through no a diet or just uh, listen to it. Just love it. Yeah. Just be yeah. in it. And that's why sometimes so many women, when they, I'm going to say women, but also men, when you say just feel, how does that feel when you move your wrist? Mm-hmm. Spiral that. Mm-hmm, or move mm-hmm. it and they've never thought of moving it and feeling it. And they weep. People mm-hmm. weep. You know, it's like they're getting to know their home, their body. Mm-hmm. And of course, being raised a Christian, I was always taught the body is your temple but it was it was and that that's why you should take care of your body but there was always that kind of strict boundaries what you shouldn't do and what you should do it was never and it was always considered hedonistic to think of how the body experiences pleasure the mind or the spirit anyways i'm getting off the topic sorry erin i don't think so i think you're right on topic But there's also like an amp, like you kind of amplified the beliefs that you already had before the pandemic. I think so. But I actually like saw like clear, clear evidence Mm -hmm. and um, in in people that I love and uh, women that are maybe my age or a little bit older. um, And how hard those wrong beliefs, false beliefs, um, are and how important it is that we we uh, we try we, you know that we recognize them and we help each other to overcome um, mm-hmm. not with false positivity or anything always with a listening ear and, and caring but we help help remind each other in the in the feminine spirit of thing I mean men can do this as well as women. Mm-hmm. remind each other that we are loved that there's nothing we have to do to be worthy you right. back to that worthy it, you just are worthy it's it's a given yeah you know yeah and, and it is a privilege too and i know that there may be people in there but what we need to focus on is the solution focus not mm-hmm. um anyway yeah Mama, really interesting. Thank you for talking to me today. Uh, you're very welcome. I miss you. And I'm glad I didn't overdress. No, just yeah. the right level of dress dress code. <laughs> it was very special. Thank you. It's okay, nice. Gonna, it's nice gonna... to be asked questions, you know, and to be listened to. Yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. It's something we need to do more of and that we've learned in the pandemic. Well, it's really nice for you to also share, to share what you were thinking and to listen to me too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to wrap up with a lightning round. Oh, okay. Yeah? Do you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, you're going to ask me something and I just kind of yeah. say the first. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? I'd go back to Costa Rica. Oh, good. <laughs> Are you a morning person or a night person? Morning. Describe yourself in three words. Um, enthusiastic. Yeah. Um, embodying. 
Mm-hmm. And solitude. Oh. Mm-hmm. I like okay. my solitude too. I'm writing those down. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Okay. Um, if you were invisible, where would you travel? Where would you where would you sneak around? Um where would I travel? Oh, I like that. You know what? I would love to go like into the deep ocean. Am I allowed to do that? Do I have to be able to breathe? Like well, you're just invisible. You're not like a fish. Okay, but I still have to have air, right? So I can do that. <laughs> you're yourself. Just oh, okay. All right. Okay. Invisible. Um, okay. If you could have a superpower, what would you have? You would want to swim. <laughs> to I breathe underwater. To breathe underwater. <laughs> Be in there with all the fish and the octopus. Okay. And yeah. invisible, so they don't see you. Yeah. And invisible underwater. They don't either. eat me. The sharks don't come after me to eat me. <laughs> Okay, this is the last question, Mama. Okay. I love you so much. Thank you All for right. talking to me today. Okay. On a scale of one to ten, how cool are you? Oh my gosh. Um, seven. I listen I, to Spotify. It's because I make Spotify playlists. <laughs> if it wasn't for Spotify, I would never give myself a seven. I'm listening to Hootie and the Blowfish and ACDC. I'm cool now. <laughs> and I got, and I have these slippers. I have these slippers. So I'm really cool. You should see me wearing these slippers. I love them. They're the best. They, they are, are the best. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Judith says this live is sponsored by Spotify. I love you. Thank you I for love you, Mama. Thank really you for talking to me that. today. I can't wait okay. to have you in person. Now, what do I do? Do I X off or you just X me off? I'm just going to end the live. Okay. <laughs> All right. Bye, cool mama. Bye-bye. Okay, that was a chat with me and mama about one year in the pandemic. I hope you enjoyed this conversation between my mom and I. As always, if you want to connect, I can be found at medium.lady on Instagram. I hope you are well wherever this finds you, and I will see you soon. Bye!